Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. This episode's guest is a fellow podcast host who, like me, loves to share personal stories from Canada's newcomers. Oscar Sasena was born and raised in Mexico City and moved to Toronto eight years ago after his company went bankrupt and he and his wife realized it was the perfect time to start afresh. Today, Oscar has built a successful career at a fintech company, hosts the Immigrants of Toronto podcast, offers coaching services to newcomers, and is a published creative writer. Phew! Translating the humor, like Mexican humor, to Canadian slash American humor... It's difficult because it's different cultures. They don't laugh uh, of the same things that I laugh. One example, like in Mexico, we used to laugh about the dead. Like for us, death is something <laughs> that it's funny. Like if you're arguing with your best friend, you can say like, hey, I hope you die. And he's going to laugh. <laughs> if okay. I tell someone here, I hope you die, they're going to say, whoa, that's harassing. You'll have the police. <laughs> right. <frontal>. So, <laughs> so translating that piece, not only the language, but the humor... I think that was, it was really, really stepping out of what I knew. In this episode, we chat about all that Mexico City has to offer, how to adjust to a higher cost of living when moving to Canada, how to know which experts to trust, and all the different ways that pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone in even the smallest ways can make all the difference. Let's start the show. Welcome, Oscar Susena. <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> Yay! He was just testing the way I said his name. I absolutely love your podcast intro, and I was really tempted just then to like put on that deep intro voice. You know, <laughs> I don't think I can go that low. Yeah, no, that, that's not even my voice, so yeah, I paid for that. <laughs> yeah. Now my podcast guest, Oscar Susena. That's pretty good, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Such a nerd. Really cool, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's so great to have you over here on the show. As a podcast host yourself, it's sometimes weird to be the guest, right? Like answering questions instead yeah. of interviewing. But I see that you've been on a bunch of different interviews and, and podcasts before. So yeah, no worries there, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty comfortable here. Great. So uh, tell us a little about your podcast, Immigrants of Toronto. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, when did you start it? And what's it all about? Uh, so I started the, the podcast. The first episode came out in August 2019. Um, mm -hmm. But it took me a few months before that to prepare, to get the idea, all that stuff. Because originally, it started to be... I mean, my, my original goal was to do a blog. Ah, because yeah. I'm pretty comfortable writing. So it's like, you know what? I'm just going to write stories. I'm going to interview people. I'm going to write their stories and put it there. Um, What's, what happened is that I started interviewing people. They told me their story. I recorded their story, but I was just, I took a bit of, uh, I would say, like creative liberties on some of their <laughs> stories. And when I sent it back, uh, a couple of people said like, hey, uh, this is not what happened. <laughs> and this is not exactly what happened. And I explained, well, I know, but it's uh, I'm taking some creative liberties to make it 
because when you when you're writing a story when you're writing um like a novel a short story whatever you're writing you need to follow certain rules like you you need to have like three acts those kind of things like you need to grab the facts and make them interesting interesting for the reader so that's what i was trying to do uh, a couple of people said like hey that's not exactly what it did one of them said like okay fine i understand what you did it's fine mm-hmm. publish it like that i'm okay but the other one was like no i'm not gonna let you use my name on that um and she actually said I can't write it for you. And you say that you wrote it, and but I, it's going to be my writing. It's like, well, that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. that kind of made me say, like, you know what? I think it's best if I just record people telling their own stories. And that's how the idea of the podcast came uh, to my mind. And, yeah, I started recording, I would say, maybe two months before I launched the first episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, so cool. And your tagline is aiming to open people's minds through stories of immigration. Right. So yeah, I absolutely love that tagline. It's so, so important. And um, yeah, we obviously have very similar aims because uh, yeah, the stories of the people that moved to Canada are just so inspirational. And yeah, I think putting them, telling their own stories on, on a podcast, you, you feel so much closer to the person and it's more yeah. intimate. And yeah, it was kind of a, a an unexpected like bonus upgrade i feel like because yeah you can just read it and it's cold but yeah i think audio is just blowing up especially now with with the Mm -hmm. pandemic and everything so yeah it's it's so great i absolutely love hearing people's stories it's awesome thank you thank you i appreciate it yeah i'm sure you've had so so many inspiring people on the show as have i is there a particular episode or guest that you think's had the most impact on you or or your listeners on me it's yeah i've got this question uh, sometimes so it's funny because the i would say the guest that impacted me most that there's her story impacted me most is the only one who didn't allow me to record herself telling the story oh really yeah so uh i think it was kind of like in the beginning um uh someone reached out to me when i when i put this like hey i'm doing this podcast out and she wanted to tell her story but uh she was a little she was afraid because uh, she fled her country uh, because she was being um, chased by the, the cartel, so the, the narcos, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she wanted to, to tell the story that it doesn't matter how trapped you feel, you can always find a better life for you. Wow, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, so we, we ended up agreeing that I would write it down, I would send it to her. If she, if she liked it, I would read it in the in the episode uh so she agreed and i read it uh but that's it and it's um i would say it's one of those success stories that you don't you don't see maybe you don't see them as successful because like she came from 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 another country being chased and i mean the last time i I talked to her um it was uh, she she was uh, cleaning homes Uh, so it's not technically what you would expect on a success story usually usually we we love those success stories like someone that comes right from the bottom like and then yeah. now they're the ceo, CEO of something. Boss, babe, billionaire yes. yeah, yeah. No. but in this case it, it just uh, impacted me a lot especially because it, i think you need a lot of courage to escape a situation like that oh yeah 100 so, yeah. and her success is is what she's doing you know she's yeah. obviously she's i'm sure she's she's incredibly happy with how it how it ended up and she can only you know keep going and and yeah like i'm sure she'll be successful in canada oh but, yeah for yeah. sure what episode is that 
Uh, we'll have to put it in the show notes. Okay, <laughs> I, won't okay. put you on the spot. It, I think it's number six. <laughs> it's it's one, of the, on. one of the early ones. I, I can't I can wow. can let you know. Amazing. I read a book. So was she originally from Mexico? No, Colombia. Oh, okay. Because I, re- I, I read the book American Dirt this year. and Not mm-hmm. last year now. Have you heard of that? I haven't, no. Oh my God, it's so, so good. It's one of the best books. It's pretty controversial, I think. But yeah, it's one of the best books I've ever read. So that mm-hmm. actually tracks the story of a mother and her son fleeing the cartel in Mexico and going ac- trying to get across the border to the US. So it's like really controversial about what happens, you know, yeah. in the border there. And But it's such a good book. I highly yeah. recommend that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll take a note of that. <laughs> wow, so great. Um, well, we'll chat more about your career in the show, but but first off, let's learn about Mexico. <laughs> okay. So you were born and raised in Mexico City. Uh, yes. Tell us what it was like growing up there. Um, it was fun. Like I, I, I was born in seventy eight. Uh, you know how old I am now, but uh, <laughs> so I was born in seventy eight. So I would say my my childhood happened in the eighties. So the eighties. Um, Mexico City was not the Mexico City that we have now. Um, you know, I think I would say it was safer. Like we were, we we could as kids go out and play in the street, those kind of things. Uh, right now, you would never allow your kids to play in the streets because obvious reasons now. But back in the day, it was it was like that. So I really enjoyed my childhood and uh, even my teenage years in Mexico was. Um, well, it was fun, I would say. I, I always had fun. Like I like the Mexican cultures. Uh, um, it, it's just a very open and warm culture, so that was always uh, good. Was um, there as many people in the eighties as now? Probably not. But was it still a pretty heavily populated pretty, city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think in the eighties or maybe early nineties was at the time the biggest uh, city in the world. Like the. Wow. In terms of population, I think now you have well, you have Beijing, you have other other cities that are mm-hmm. on top of Mexico City. But I think we have now, if you count Mexico City plus the area around it, like like quote unquote Greater Mexico City area, like Greater Toronto area, uh, I think it's like around twenty million people. Wow. So it's quite a lot. So. It's up there, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, the most yeah. populated city in North America. So for sure, think about yes, that. Yes. Oh my gosh, of all the places in North America, that's the the most populated. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Something that shows how fun the people of Mexico City are is the fact that the city has won over 400 Guinness World Records. <laughs> you guys are just on a mission. Like, the largest group of people doing the Thriller Dance, I think that's, like, my absolute hmm. favorite. 13,597 people did the Thriller Dance. I didn't Dance. even know that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was in two thousand and nine. I was, I was, I was hoping you'd be like, oh yeah, I was in there, and I would have been like, what? <laughs> I mean, I was there, but I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember thirteen thousand people doing the Thriller? <laughs> uh, no. Wow. Where was I? Two thousand nine. Maybe it's because I just got married, so uh, I was focusing on my. Marriage. No time for Thriller. I hope dances. my wife listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're the reason I didn't join the Thriller dance. Oh my god. Yeah, there's a ton of them. It's really fun to like look through all the ones that Mexico City has. But yeah, that that was my favorite for sure. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> there's just so many people there, I guess, to to be able to do these like huge crowd oh, yeah. world records. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, definitely got an advantage. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure. You you can find people for, to do anything yeah that's that's one of the cool things yeah and uh so what's your favorite thing about the city what what do you miss the most um well i, I would say i would go with the usual my family and friends uh, mm, but yeah. if we're talking about like the city and the things i think the uh i would say the thing that i miss the most is the food 
Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Mexican, Mexican food is delicious, and especially Mexico City is delicious. Like, you can, there's a lot of street food, and I, was I love gonna street say, food. Street you know, eats. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So you, you, can, you can walk two blocks and you're going to pass five uh, like street spots for tacos, and all oh of them are God. better than the last one. So, yeah, it's one of the things that I miss that you can walk and it's like, hey, I'm hungry. You turn around one corner and then you get to, uh, uh, I was going to say taqueria because that's the way in Mexico is like a taco shop mm-hmm. and then you just get some some tacos and that that's what I miss the most yeah oh, and it's just you can't beat it there's no way you can even just find anything as close to that I'm sure it's the authentic experience yeah so how many of the nearly 200 museums have you personally visited <laughs> uh, a lot <laughs> I don't know the number, but... Uh, that is a yeah, lot of museums for a city. Yeah, there's a lot of museums. You, you know what? The one, that's one of the problems that uh, there's a lot of museums, but the funding for culture in Mexico is not good enough, to be honest. That's, uh, most of them just survive because there's some patrons that donate money, but you can go to... I would say if you don't pick the top 10 museums of the city, if you go below that, then you can start seeing that they're not uh, very well taken care of. There's not enough... Um, um, security, those kind of things. In general, it's. Uh, I mean, I don't want to go into the the dark reason why why I moved out of Mexico, but one of the things is that uh, I noticed that part of the the culture, like the budget in general, that was allocated to the culture, has been reduced on a yearly basis. Like every time you get a new president, the the budget for culture, for museums, for even education, like basic public education, is is shrinked. So mm. after decades, well, you have what you have right now. So, yeah. but I don't want to go. Like I don't want to talk about bad about Mexico because <laughs> I love the city, I love the country. But there are these little things that kind of trigger me. It's like mm. we could do better, right? So, well, it's definitely a beautiful city with a lot of history. Even just yeah. looking around it, um, do you have any top places to visit Mexico City? If if someone was to to turn up and look for something to do. Oh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me, I don't know, three. <laughs> uh, I would say um, Coyoacán. It's, uh, it's, it's part of the city. It's a little bit to the south, uh, but it's a really nice. It, at the time when it was built, it was like a small out of the Mexico City area where a lot of rich people had like uh, summer houses or weekend homes. Uh, it, so it's uh, the architecture is amazing because it's uh, like colonialistic type of thing. Um, and I used to live very close to that place, so all my teenage years I spent walking about past that. Uh, like, there's a lot of bars, there's a lot of really nice restaurants, so you can go there. And even every time that I go to Mexico City, I take at least an afternoon to walk around the area because it's just it's just amazing. Yeah, I feel like that's the go-to first thing you should do in any city. Just, like, walk around and just mm-hmm. soak up the atmosphere. I'm, I'm all about that. Like, just yeah. to actually experience it. And you can stumble on stuff that you you wouldn't expect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that Romeo and Juliet was filmed there. That's another fun fact that I found out. Did yeah. you know that? Oh. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I love that. And that that's a movie where I always really loved the scenery and everything. And now it just makes so much sense. It was filmed in Mexico City. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So you first started considering leaving Mexico in 2010. Was that right? Yeah, that's correct. Why was that? I think it was a a mix of things. Uh, I mean, since I would say maybe when I was like maybe starting university, I started thinking about 
going somewhere else. Like I think at some point I I thought about dropping my my degree and just going to another country and start a degree over there. Uh, I, again, I was like in my twenties, so I thought everyone, everything was easy. <laughs> yeah. uh, then you start doing some research, like okay, it's not that easy to go and study somewhere else. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's like okay, fine, I'm going to finish my degree here. So I already had that idea of uh, of moving somewhere. Um, then uh, I started a, a small company, a software company, in in 2007. Um, then I got married in 2008, um, and I would say. And the first year of my marriage, my company went bankrupt. So I, I lost uh, basically everything. Uh, and I think it was a point when when I thought, like, well, there's nothing. Like, I have hit rock, rock bottom. There's nothing. There's nowhere I can go uh, that it's worse than where I am right now. At that point, I think I was talking to my wife. And she she, she always thought about moving to Toronto because she came here as a teenager i think she was like 14 when she came or 15 and she loved the city so we started talking about it, it was like you know what let's see what we need to do and uh, we went to see uh, some um, immigration advisors and they explained that it well it's not easy but you can do it i mean you're like quote unquote old for <laughs> to start the the process i wasn't gonna say anything it. but yeah <laughs> <laughs> That is so, it's such a negative about it though. I always, I always speak to people that reach out and say, oh, you know, do you know any pathways for me? Because I'm, you know, over 30, you know, the golden age of, you know, over 30 where it's, yeah. you're just suddenly written off. It's so strange to me, but yeah, you're here. There are definitely ways to, to get around it, but yeah. Yeah. The, actually, that's the reason why I decided we, ca I came as a student because that was the fastest way to come. Yeah, it's just expensive. So you moved in 2013, right? Mm -hmm. So you came, uh, what was that going to be, eight years ago now? How Almost eight feel? years, yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't know. I feel like it was yesterday from time to time, but sometimes it's like, it feels so long ago. It's kind of like so close and so far at the same time. It's a dif dif difficult feeling to Yeah, it just flies by, that. I think. Yeah. I think the whole kind of first few years of it is just such a blur anyway. You're just adjusting and it's gone so quick. I mean, I've been here four years, but... It just blows my mind that it's been that long because it just, well, yeah, exactly. It's like, so it feels like yesterday, but then it's also like I've been here so, so long as right. well. And I feel so wise about everything. That <laughs> it's um Yeah, it's a confusing time. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so you landed in Toronto. Was that the first place you yeah, came? Yeah, that was a first place. Yeah. Cool. We, we always had the, the idea to come to Toronto. Actually, as I, as I came as a student, so even before getting here, I had to get... Uh, uh, admitted in the in the college and all the paperwork done so so when we got here we already knew that this was going to be home for at least a couple of years mm -hmm. so, yeah. and what did your wife do while you were at school did she go to school as well or no she worked so that's one of the i would say is one of the good things about applying as a student because uh, if you come with your partner wife husband whatever whatever it is um you come and in my case i got a stud student permit and she got a, a work permit by mm. default so she was able to, and it was an open work permit, so she could work anywhere she wanted. Wow! So yeah, she started working while I was studying, and uh, and then when I get when I got the extension, the extra year of work permit, she got automatically her work permit extended. So it's I would say it's one of the advantages, especially if you come with someone, because whilst one one person's studying and kind of like getting point for later applied to to the PR. Um, 
during this time, the other person can be working, like making some money and building their career while mm-hmm. they're here. Amazing. What was your first impressions of Toronto then, you and your wife? Did you have some preconceived, you know, expectations of, of what you thought it'd be like? Um, I would say there were most, most of my expectations were, uh, I would say I'm usually very adaptable. So I come with certain expectations, but they're usually not too high. Like I'm, it's not that, that I, I, uh, I'm like low expectations, but I, I thought like I knew it was, gonna, it was a big city. It was, I knew that it was uh, a very active city. So for me, it was fine. Um, Coming from Mexico City, um, it was like, okay, yeah, I, I want a city. I want something that it's active. There's people. I'm going to get bored. Like, if I go outside Toronto, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die of boredom. So, <laughs> yeah. so this Come is, stay this where is I am for, for a weekend. You'll, <laughs> oh, my God, there's nothing going on. It's so funny. But yeah, that was kind of the... But I would say on the, on, the, on the bad side, I would say that I didn't expect it to be this expensive. Right. But it didn't surprise me a lot because I knew that it was going to be expensive. I think when it surprised me when was when I started, um, I don't know, you go to the grocery store. And in Mexico, you're used to spend, I would say, uh, maybe if you make the the uh, currency exchange and it's like $30 and then you can buy food for a whole week and that's fine. But then you, for two people, and then you get here, it's like, oh, I don't I don't get it. It's a hundred dollars and it's the same amount of food that I used to buy there. So I think those little things um were the, the things that I wasn't expecting to be that big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you does it balance out, would you say, for anyone that's worried about that? You know, you get a higher salary naturally, but then you obviously have to take the time to to build up your career in Canada as well. So that's yeah. kind of like the one of the biggest struggles you found. I would say it was, um, like, especially, yeah, the salaries are, are higher for sure. Um, but uh, I would say when, when and, and I always think about that this way, like, you you lived in a country for a certain amount of years. In my case, it was 35 years that I lived in Mexico. So for 35 years, I met, I, were, I was meeting people. Like, so I knew people around the place like I knew like if someone asked me for a lawyer it's like oh yeah maybe I know a friend who's a lawyer or the wife of a friend or something like that when I got here was like do you know someone's like no I have no idea because Mm -hmm. we actually got here we had no friends no family nothing so building that network takes time and especially when you try to use that network to to get a better job it just takes even longer um I mean, I think it's good. I think it, it balances out in the end. But the first few years are a bit um, difficult. Yeah. And then that's so true. And then it just kind of highlights how you have to just try and stick it out. Because I know it's so easy to kind of think of it as a failure or like it's too hard. And you just have to kind of stick it out because it is that that uphill struggle in some ways and then yeah it does get easier and it's it's yeah. you hear it as such a cliche but when you're in it you, you kind of feel like it's never gonna get better or improve in any if you're struggling in a certain area or several oh, yeah. areas so yeah for sure and the whole experts thing as well there are so many things that you need expert opinions on and you kind of just go to these facebook groups and then everyone's opinions are all kind of different and you get all misinformed <laughs> and it's just yeah. so crazy and you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of experts that 
that take advantage of of immigrants and and newcomers and that's such a shame that i found that it's it's hard to trust experts as well you know who you know what immigration lawyer is actually you know going to help me and have my best interests and so it's a whole thing so it's great that we have these platforms like our shows and things like that where yeah. we can introduce experts and know that they're kind of pre-vetted and you can kind of trust the information in the yeah. end like we're people right like we we tend to like people and to trust people based on our interaction with with them and and sometimes unfortunately you have, you have a lot of uh people that are really charming and they mm. they have not your best interests uh, uh and, and it's not was one of their priorities like they maybe they want to scam you but they are so charming that you believe them yeah uh, i mean i would say i was lucky that nothing like that happened to me maybe it helped that i come from mexico city where you used to Basically, trust no one. <laughs> but <laughs> that helped. <laughs> I, I, always, I always tell people when they ask me. And actually, I, I did a, a short episode, uh, maybe like a month ago, about it. Um, it's uh, what what I say is like if it's too good to be true. Yes. Maybe it is right. So you just need to be, uh, I would say, really aware of things. Like one example, like if you go to a um, a, a a big firm, like a big immigration law firm, that you know they're legit. And you say, like, hey, I need you to help me with my PR process. And it's like, okay, yeah, our fee is 12, 15K, right? Yeah. And and I know that because that's one of the things that I, I had to do. Uh, but then you turn around and then you find someone who's like, no, 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 just give me 1,000 and I'm good. It's like, well, yeah, it's too good to be true because you're, you're, not, gonna, you're not going to get the same... The same uh, I would say the same value of the money if you're paying 15k that if you're paying 1k. So it's just uh, I would say just ask questions and um, just keep an eye open. Yeah, there's so many communities out there that you can reach out to and get recommendations and hear people's real experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, with social media now, it's yeah, it's just crazy. You can go on any of these groups and you know seeing other people's experiences and you know, going to webinars and all these immigration lawyers, um, you know, they can do, you know, live Q&As and you kind of see them face to face and they're offering value for free. And then they can or even, you know, the Roots Immigration Law, who we had on the show, she does like free consultations. You can go on a call with her and kind of get to know each other first. So, yeah, it's it's a great area. But there's yeah, it's hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So where's your favorite place in Toronto to hang out? Would you say if someone's thinking, okay, I'm moving to Toronto soon? Um, what would you say are the few places to hit up first? Um, I would say if you're moving here, I would say first, and this I always I always say that, and I get a lot of people saying, no, you're wrong, but this is my my opinion. Uh, I always tell people that uh, they should re- like leave in down, leave downtown, um, right? And the reason why I say that is because most of the interesting things about Toronto are downtown. Um, you you have a lot of theaters. I mean, now I know with COVID and everything, everything is closed. But you have a lot of restaurants. Like the food in Toronto is amazing. It's mm, you have so many cultures and so many good food that I mean, you can. I'm pretty sure you can visit a different restaurant every day for two years and never have to repeat anything. So, um, and and that's one thing that like you have theaters. You have uh, all the cultural things that are happening in Toronto. Like you have. Everything happens over the summer. Like you have yeah. the jazz festival. Like you have everything. Then you have the TIFF, which happens uh, in the fall, and it's really cool. And uh, it's a 
it's not only a city that it's it's a beautiful city, but you're also in contact with some a little pieces of nature. Like there's a lot of parks, and you have the lake a few blocks mm-hmm. away. So and the islands too. Oh my god, like the islands. Oh yeah, it's the like island, you're going sure. away to like cottage country, and you can go yeah. like stand up paddleboarding, <laughs> but then you're kind of looking over and seeing the skyscrapers. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Really cool city. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's usually what I say. Like a lot of people tell me, well, it's too expensive. Like yeah, yeah it is expensive, right? But uh, Sometimes what happens, like especially, and I'm going to speak from my experience as a student. Um, when, when we moved here, we moved to downtown Toronto because I came to George Brown College, which was located downtown. So it Happy was... Happy accident. We actually kind of planned it a little bit like that because we were checking the cost of uh, transportation. Like if you leave outside and you need to come every day to work, study, whatever you're doing, the, you need to pay for it. If you leave really far away, you need to pay for the GO train. If you don't leave too far away, at least you need to get the Metro Pass for uh, the monthly Metro Pass. So all those costs costs add up, right? We did the math, and uh, when I come when I came here, um, I think the we were paying sixteen hundred for rent uh, for a one bedroom, uh, which is like three or four times what you would pay in Mexico City. So you can yeah. imagine my shock. Uh, <laughs> But then I was thinking, like, well, if I leave outside, like, if I go to Scarborough, like, something like that, that it's far away without a car. Um, so w- how much do I need to pay to just get to school or right. just get to work? It works and, out more expensive. Right. And then if you leave there, then you need a car because either, in here you can, like, almost anywhere in Toronto, you you can walk and in less than 10, 15 minutes you can get to a grocery store. Yeah, yeah. If you're outside, it's not going to happen. So you need a car. So that's another cost that adopts and, and it just keeps growing. Yeah. And I guess if you're a student as well, there's a whole social life aspect to it. You don't want to have to, yeah. you know, drive away, you know, at the end of the night and not drink or get a cab. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, oh, yeah, let's go to that bar and let's make friends with this, these new people because I yeah. can just walk home and I'm right there. And yeah, yeah. cool. I think it's a lot of value, but at the end, I mean, you, you get what you pay for, right? Like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm just not surprised with these uh, with these rental prices because I'm obviously I'm from England where it's even more expensive, <laughs> mm-hmm. and my brother is currently paying like three thousand dollars a month for uh, an apartment in London, which is mm-hmm. just it's just crazy to me as well. So, well, oh. it's London, right? <laughs> oh my god, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's circle back to your podcast because mm-hmm. I would definitely say that launching this show has been one of the most fulfilling achievements probably I've ever done. And it's it's enabled me to meet great friends and understand my own personal journey in Canada so much better as well. You know, being able to tap into the different areas of expertise of different right. people. Um, yeah, it's been great. But yeah, put even more simply, the, the initial leap that I took back in September last year, just to say, you know, screw it, let's start a podcast, I'm going to push myself outside of my comfort zone, you know, I had no idea, I'm going to need to learn all the new tech and start reaching out to strangers and asking for their life stories, <laughs> I'm just really, really proud of myself and, and the content that I'm creating, and um, yeah, I'm wondering, do you, yeah, do you feel the same way about, about your show? I do. Um, I think it's, uh, and I agree with you, like, uh, just stepping out of the comfort zone, it's, it's it's just fulfilling. And in my case, mm. like I love I I'm not saying that I don't I don't like being comfortable. I like the comfort zone. It's it's really <laughs> yeah. nice. But after a few I'd say months or maybe a couple of years, you get really bored. Mm-hmm. So 
So every time that you get to do something new, I think it's just uh, just amazing. I think it's kind of like that happened with the podcast. Like I was telling you in the beginning, like I feel very comfortable writing. Like I've been writing my whole life. Um, so for me, writing is normal. Like I do it every day. I do it like I do it at work for like emails and all that stuff. But I also do it in a creative fashion every day as well. So it was. Uh, yeah, I might have to step out of my comfort zone and try to get reach more people, but in the end, the outcome was going to be very... I would be very used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking to a microphone, and talking to people, and allowing myself to be recorded mm-hmm. and all that, it took a little more than uh, than what it would take me to write something. Yes. So, um, so I completely get what you're saying. Like, it's very fulfilling to see... To see, especially when you when you've done this for a few months and you know that people are listening and you yes. get those comments from people like, "Hey, I helping love your people, show. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so good." And it's so true. Like when you're writing, it's kind of disconnected, and you you have so much time to to prepare what you're going to say, and you can do that with a podcast as well. But it's you know you're just in the moment, and whatever comes yeah. out of your mouth is kind of what you're stuck with. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of have to develop that talent to just kind of get the conversation flowing. And if you have someone that's you know not as comfortable and you can kind of coax them out of their shell and get them laughing and yeah yeah, I've definitely you know gained so many new skills from this as well and just uh, kind of tended to my extroverted self a little bit more because I I like what you said the comfort zone is just such a safe place and I love being my little introvertedness as well so yeah yeah Yeah, I know what you're saying (laughs) yeah so what other times have you pushed yourself outside of your comfort zone other than the podcast what would you say some more examples uh, I would say it's kind of related to the podcast. It just happened before the podcast. Um, I, I joined a Toastmasters group. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I joined that, I think it was March 2019. Because of the nature of the work that I was doing at the time, that I'm still, I still do, I talk to clients all day, all the time. So I sometimes you don't get uh, a very talkative client, but... In my case, I'm the first impression of the company, so I need to make them feel good. I need to feel make them feel valuable. I, I need them to enjoy that hour that they're spending with me every week. So I joined Toastmasters because of that. And then I started becoming like more comfortable speaking in public. Then I started the podcast. was like, okay, it's not only speaking. It's actually recording myself and publish it. And it's going to be there forever. Well, maybe not forever, but at least a few years. Like if you go there, you can see what I, how I was speaking a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And if actually you go and listen to the first, second or third episode, you will see a lot of difference between that and the way my latest episodes are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I think that's, uh, that's another piece that I, that I, and I think the, the last one is writing. Like I told you, I've been writing m- most of my life. But I'm from Mexico, so I used to write in Spanish. Right. <laughs> so venturing in creative writing in English, it was really, really stepping out of my comfort zone. Wow. Um, yeah, I can only imagine. Like, English writing is always the hardest. Like when I was learning French, writing was always the hardest for me. Because they're, well, you know, I don't know, in French, their writing is like a different, completely different language to the way they speak. It's just crazy. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm guessing, you know, English is similar. Like nobody talks like a creative novel in real life. So you have to kind of <laughs> learn a different language almost. So I always found writing to be, yeah, so much more challenging. I Yeah, I wrote in English. I, uh, I published a, sh- a short story uh, last year. Oh, cool. So, and, and that's the thing. That actually challenged me a little more because 
even though, I mean, I don't know if you've heard, but when you're writing creatively, a lot of people say, write what you know. Uh-huh. So I said, like, what do I know? Okay, I'm from Mexico. I'm an immigrant. I live in Toronto. So I wrote about that. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to make it funny. I wanted to create a satire of this person that everything goes wrong. Like all oh, your immigration. Yeah. So just translating the humor, like Mexican humor to Canadian slash American humor, it's difficult because it's different cultures. They don't laugh uh, of the same things that I laugh. Um, one example, like in Mexico, we we used to laugh about the dead. Like for us, death is something <laughs> that it's funny. Like you can you can if you're arguing with your best friend, you can say like, "Hey, I hope you die," and he's gonna laugh. Uh, if okay. I tell someone here, "I hope you die," they're gonna be like, "Whoa, that's harassing." You'll have the police, right? So, so translating that piece, n- not only the language but the humor, I think that was. Uh, I would I wouldn't say the hardest because I really enjoyed it, but it was really really stepping out of what I knew. Wow! So, yeah, yeah, that whole culture thing is. There's a big difference between Mexican culture and Canadian culture, right? Like you oh, guys totally. are just so kind of warm and you like what you were saying, you know, very open and funny and just jokey with each other. And then and Canadians are, are like that too, but then to a point where it's you know there's more you know political correctness and a bit more, more pressure of of saying the yeah. wrong thing. <laughs> Yeah. How have you found that on a podcast too? Do you ever are you ever worry that you're going to say something wrong on the podcast? Like, um, I don't think I worry anymore. Um, yeah, I used to worry about that. Uh, again, in Mexico, we swear a lot. Like <laughs> half half of our our conversation is like telling someone to. You know what I mean? Yeah, right? or, or call them a ta- as, as a term of endearment. You're just like, ah, yeah, so and so. It's like exactly, actually, yeah. you I, you love that person, but you've just called yeah, them like yeah. the worst name in this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that I was worried a little bit in the beginning. Uh, so even when when I was doing the first episodes, I used to edit a lot, like, um, and even little things like maybe it was not politically incorrect, but it was more like I mispronounced this word. So mm. I went back, I re-recorded the whole phrase. I just oh, no. wrote what I said and I re-recorded it so it looked so it sounded like I was actually speaking in English instead of whatever type of <laughs> mix between English and Spanish I was trying to do. So but then I, I thought like, you know what? I'm an immigrant. I, I speak yeah. two languages. If I make a mistake, who cares? Yes. So, yeah. Own it. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. So, yeah, I mean, the whole comfort zone thing, yeah, you've obviously a pro. That's amazing. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I'm a pro, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a great talent to, to be able to do that because, yeah, I think I'm getting better at that too. You have to actually push yourself to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. It's a conscious yeah. decision to make sure that I'm saying yes to things and putting myself out there and meeting new people because, you know, I've already moved across the world. Why yep. would I now kind of dial it back and be like, you know what, I'm not I'm not going to do anything today, um, even <laughs> though that's what I don't, I, you know, most of the time I just want to kind of do nothing and I'm happy with my small group of friends and I'm quite content, but mm-hmm. I really do have that, I, I you know, I push myself to, to put myself out there. So, yeah, the absolute best things about my life today came as a direct result of doing something I was uncomfortable with and that's like the biggest lesson I think it's not even an exaggeration like I pushed myself to go backpacking in Asia by myself and I ended up 
yeah, and I ended up meeting my now fiance in Thailand. Mm. So I wouldn't have even met him if I didn't, if I hadn't done that. And then, yeah, in 2019, I pushed myself to launch a big networking event and trade show in Toronto. And I had, you know, over 30 companies sponsor it. And I got to help a ton of newcomers. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, because of that, I was approached by my now boss and mm -hmm. offered an amazing job opportunity. So, yeah, it's like the easiest way to stand out as a newcomer, I think. You know, allow new doors to open and those new opportunities to, to kind of shine a light on you, really. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things, uh, I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying, but uh, one of the things that I've noticed, and especially because I've been interviewing a lot of people in the last uh, year and a half, one of the things I've noticed is that, I mean, when you make a big change, like moving to another country, you want everything else in your life to stay the same. Like, we need to, we need to, yes. we need to, to have something stable. Today. Yes. <laughs> um, so, a lot of people, what they do is they move to a new country, they move here. And they focus on their community. So, I'm again, I'm from Mexico, so I know that because a lot of people from Mexico do, does that. They get here. It's a big change. Yes, your mind needs something stable, so they focus on the Mexican community. And what happens there is that you're automatically isolating yourself from, from the Canadian society, which is a multicultural society. Like, it doesn't really matter... Um, where you're from, you just you're here and you live here, and that's it. That's good enough. So, um, I would say, yeah, maybe if you need to do it, do it in the beginning for a few months, but then after that, just continue. Uh, I have noticed that. Like I've spoke to spoken to people that have been here for 10, 15 years, and they cannot really get get away with a, a basic English conversation. And it's like, well, you um, if you've been here for 10, 15 years. I'm pretty sure you have decided that this is your home. Like you're not, yeah. you're not on vacation. So <laughs> no. just push yourself and, and go again. Like you said, go out of your comfort zone. Learn English. Meet people that don't speak Spanish. So so you can practice whatever English you have with them. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, I always try to, every time that I get uh, a question or someone, I'm mentoring someone on the side, I always try to push them to do that. It's like, yeah, stay with your community because that's safe. That's a safe space. Um, if you're in, you're watching the World Cup, nobody else is going to care if Mexico wins the game or not. It's just that group of people. So it's fine that you have them, but don't restrict your uh, life to only that community like just open it and and go and talk to people and do everything you can to to blend into the canadian culture yeah it's so important and it's so tempting to just go down the safe road because you don't want to like what you were saying you've already been uprooted and you don't want to put anything else on your plate right now so <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so tempting and but yeah you're doing yourself a disservice for sure it's like really really important reminder and and like i said it's like a conscious reminder you have to really it's a conscious reminder. yeah make yourself do it yeah. and i mean language brings us together right so of course you're going to get along with someone that speaks your own language that's normal that's human behavior um i, I know like in in the company that i'm at um there's a bunch of people i think it's like five or six of us that speak spanish so we have a separate chat where we speak in Spanish. We're from you talk Co about all the other people in We the talk chat. about all the other people in Spanish, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's, that's, that happens, right? Like language 
uh, helps to to foster relationships, to bring you together. The other person understands what you're saying. You can speak fast, and you're never going to be like, I don't know how to say this. It's You just talk, and people are going to understand you, so that helps. But that should not be your only social group, your only uh, anything, because then you're missing out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and something that I think of, it's like, comfort zone is good, right? It, you, you need it. You, you cannot live a life that you're always outside of your comfort zone. Um, mm. But what's going to happen is that you're going to leave your comfort zone. You're going to start doing something. And then that will become your comfort zone. Right. Uh, That's and, so and, good. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Oh, yeah. You can quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> you need to think about it that way. Because, yeah, something you try that's uncomfortable, once once you've done it, it's it's not going to be as scary. That's that's yep. really cool. Like I'm pretty sure you, you feel it like that with the podcast. Like When you started, it was like... A, I know you've, you felt like, I don't know, like, uh, like anxious or something before doing an interview, but now you do it. It's like, oh yeah, I need to do an interview and you're happy and you're excited to do it because you're going to meet somebody else. But it's not that you're, uh, you're not, you're not going out of your comfort zone anymore. It's just right. that this new, this new comfort zone, um, was built based on your, you going outside of your previous comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It's a journey. You're always evolving. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's cool. But now we're just going to get itchy for the next one. I'm going to like ditch the podcast and do something else, go bungee jumping or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's always good to have something to do uh, outside of your comfort zone because that keeps life interesting. So, I mean, maybe it's not going to be moving to another country every time that you want to go out of your comfort zone, but you can, I don't know, you can do um, different things, like even little things like reading something that you don't usually read. Like... I don't know, like the other day I was started reading a romantic novel and I'd never read one. It was like, okay, fine, I need to expand my horizon. Let's see what they do. And I started reading it and uh, somehow I enjoyed it. So <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I don't know how that yeah. happened. But yeah, that, that's the thing. Like it can be something small, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to add some, some flavor to the daily life inside your comfort zone. Really cool. Oh, well, thank you so much, Oscar. This has been amazing. I'm going to remember what I was about to say after we stop recording and it's going to drive me crazy, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. This has been so inspiring. It's one of those inspiring episodes, which are my favorites. So thanks oh, so I, much. I loved it. Thank you very much for inviting me. <laughs> so where can people find you if they want to check out your podcast and more about you and what you're doing? So uh, they can go directly to the website. It's immigrantsoftoronto.com. Or you can listen to the podcast in the Apple Podcast, uh, Google Podcast, Spotify. It's everywhere. And uh, again, if they want to reach out to me directly, they can. There's a form to send me an email in the website, or they can find me on LinkedIn for sure. Amazing. Like Oscar Sassena, like that. Oscar Sassena. I'm going to practice my introduction. Well, actually, if you want to pronounce it correctly, it's Oscar Sassena. Oh. But that's too Spanish for everybody here, so... Oscar Cecenia. Oh, there you go. Did I do it? <laughs> you did it, yeah. <laughs> there you go, yes! <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.